You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, and today it's the truth behind candida. What is lurking in your gut? Cut to scary music. Okay, just joking, but here we go. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to help you break it down into the basics and help you to live a simplistic and healthy life that you enjoy. But before we get into today's show, I just wanted again to say thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for helping to keep Simple Roots Radio at the top of new and noteworthy for over six months. It has seriously been an incredible honor, and it's completely because of your support. One of the ways this happened was through those ratings and reviews that we always talk about here on the show. But trust me, the ratings and reviews are better than just numbers. Really, my heart behind them is to keep the show visible and findable by other people who otherwise wouldn't hear about Simple Roots Radio. So, if you haven't left a rating and review yet, I would be honored if you'd take one minute out of your day to head on over to simplerootswellness.com slash review and leave any honest feedback you can give me. It really is what makes the show go round. I was just over there checking out some of the latest reviews and I still get misty-eyed when I read what others have to say about the show. Here's what user QWW had to say. Hi Alexa, I often listen to your podcast when I am walking. There was always something very positive to take away and integrate into my own life. Your interviewing skills and preparation shine. Thanks for sharing with the world at large. Seriously, thank you so much. So after reading those, I thought it would be fun to do another little giveaway to all of those who leave an honest rating and review. Here's how it works. If you leave a rating and review, you could be entered for a chance to win one of four healthy holiday detox packs filled with some of my favorite proteins, greens, and a bag of chia seeds. And one lucky person will win a personalized, handmade wooden cookie spatula from bowwood.com. You guys, these are incredible, and there's nothing better than a handcrafted wood item to fill your kitchen. So again, in order to be a chance to win that, I need you to leave a rating and review before we hit episode 42. So you have a few weeks to do this. But again, if you leave an honest rating and review, you'll be entered for a chance to win a holiday detox pack as well as a personalized homemade wooden cookie spatula for your very own kitchen or to give away as a gift. Again, to leave a rating and a review, you need to head on over to simplerootswellness.com slash review, and I promise it will only take one minute out of your day. I can't thank you so much for helping me out in that way. But now let's get back to the show. Today, we're featuring Dr. Noah Leibowitz. I'll fill you in more on the story of how I personally met Dr. Leibowitz, but I was automatically drawn to his desire to just dig up the root of the problem and take care of it. Being a chiropractor and a holistic wellness doctor himself, he has really taken it upon himself to learn the techniques needed to help people heal by treating the root and doing it quickly. Today, we're going to be talking about a very practical and realistic approach to treating what seems like a common issue in today's society, and that is candida and fungal overgrowth. So we're going to break it down, and I'll be asking Dr. Leibowitz what candida really is, the diet and lifestyle modifications needed to treat candida, and how treating fungal overgrowth can actually help reset your hormones and so much more. At the end of the episode, I'll also be sharing a very special deal on one of my very own programs that can help break yourself from the cravings of sugar, a true treatment approach to candida without experiencing withdrawal, restriction, and starvation. It really is a great program called The Craving Cure, and I'm making it so much easier to get your hands on and complete. But stay tuned for more details on that. But for now, here's Dr. Leibowitz. Welcome to the show, Dr. Noah Leibowitz. I'm so excited to have you on. 
Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So I met Noah, I don't know, it's probably been a month ago at a seminar and um, just got to experience some of his practice and just his rawness and realness with just getting to the basics of health and not slapping a banding on it, but really digging to the root and taking care of that. And ever since I heard him speak, I really wanted to have him on the show and just get his opinion on on some of these topics that are widely talked about, but without any real clear definition or even a realistic approach to that. So kind of cutting through all of the the junk that's out there and just really getting to the root of what's going on. And so today we're going to talk about fungus, um, specifically more of like the candida kind of lifestyle that so many people are suffering with. So let's get right to it. So again, we're going to talk about candida and fungal overgrowth in the body. One, because it's a fairly common anymore. And two, because there's a lot of misconceptions about treatment. So Dr. Leibowitz, what do you see with candida? Can you give us a backstory on what it is and why is it so common just lately? So definitely candida is one of the things that it's one of the most common things that people come to me asking of, hey, I think I have this or what do I do about it since I definitely know that I have it. So it's definitely very common with a lot of people. The first thing to know is candida is just one type of fungus. All funguses cause very similar issues. Candida, maybe I see it in maybe 25% of the fungal patients that I get. Usually it's a mix of multiple types. So a candida or a fungus, either one, I treat them the same and consider them the same. It's just one type of many, kind of like a Fiji apple compared to all the different brands of apples. Um, people can get it really from anywhere. A fungus loves to live in a dark, warm, moist environment. So like if you ever have water leaks and you see mold growing on the walls, that is a fungal infection. One thing, the most common way that we get it is we breathe it in. So if you've ever had a water leak in your home or if you've ever traveled somewhere that has moldy um, issues, that can happen in a lot of gyms. Um, a lot of dry climates don't have as much mold in the homes, but definitely it still does happen from water leaks. Sometimes you don't even know it. Um, so moldy houses are one of the most common things. Um, different things that you can take, different supplements can actually increase your chance of getting a fungal infection. People that take antibiotics, that's almost always going to increase your chance of getting some type of fungal infection. Same types of things with different birth controls or different steroid hormones. Those can also. You can also get fungal infections from sexual partners. There is a study a few years ago in Time Magazine, and it said that just with one 10-second French kiss, I believe you pass back and forth 70 million different microbes, including fungus. (laughs) So it might be that you lived a great life, but you're exposed to it from somewhere else. There's many issues. There was actually a really interesting article that just came out um, a few weeks ago. And there was a guy in England, and he died from a fungal infection in his lungs. And during while during the treatment, and he wasn't getting any better, he went to Australia for three months. All of his symptoms almost went away. Then he came back, and they all came. All of his symptoms came back, and they actually figured out that his bagpipes. That was his hot. He loved to play bagpipes, and his bagpipes had mold growing inside, and he kept re-exposing himself, and sadly, he actually died because of it. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get it, um, but it is one of the most common things, but it doesn't necessarily have to be hard to treat. Right. So when we talk about like fungus in the air and breathing it in um, and just kind of being exposed to it, how is that related to our body overgrowing it? Is it actually an overgrowth, or is it just a buildup, or is it both? It's a little bit of both. So if you are if you have a perfectly healthy person and they are exposed to mold, ideally they breathe it in but their body kills it and they're not going to grow it inside. They're not going to have any issues. Most people I'd say virtually every person has a little bit of mold or fungus or yeast growth in their body. And that's perfectly fine because you have a healthy immune system and it keeps it in base. You might have a little, little bit, but it's not causing any issues. But then a lot of the times is when you get stressed. Stress could be emotional stress. Stress could be physical stress. Stress could be eating a McDonald's cheeseburger and eating some Twinkies or whatnot. Different types of stress then will lower your immune system. So then, while you might have had a fungal infection that wasn't causing any issues, once the body's immune system is decreased, then it can start growing and cause a lot more issues. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So it's kind of like what pushes the person over the edge stress-wise that kind of causes that body to 
lower the immune system, which allows all these other things to kind of get out of control. So when we talk about that, like fungal overgrowth, I want to say is probably one of the most underdiagnosed things because it comes out in a lot of other forms that we treat. So like asthma, thyroid issues, depression, yet the underlying condition could in some cases be fungal overgrowth. So how could someone get to the bottom of their condition and know if it is a fungus that's causing these other symptoms or, you know, how do you determine if it's a fungus or not? So like you said, you have a lot of people with different issues, asthma, thyroid, depression, and you wonder what's the root cause of it. I've always learned, look for the root cause of any issue. Don't just put a Band-Aid. And fungus is a main cause. Um, There are a lot of different tests that you can run to check for it. There are some stool analysis tests. There's some other different tests that you can do. There's always pluses and minuses to any of them. Um, in my experience and what I do, I do a form of muscle testing and applied kinesiology, and that's how I check for any type of fungal overgrowth in a person. There are other ways also, though. Um, with some people, they like to be checked out. Other people, it's more just, okay, let's follow a certain diet and take some supplements, and if we get better, then you can kind of assume that's what was causing the issue. Mm. So the treatment for a fungal overgrowth is safe enough that really anyone could do it. Is it kind of like a good thing to do every once in a while for every general person, assuming that we're all in some way contracted with yeast, or is it like if you have symptoms? Well, so I think, you know, it's a yes and no question, I will say there. Right. Um, the diet portion, so to kill a fungus, basically you want to do two things. If you don't do both things, it can take months and months and months and months. If you do it correctly, you can get rid of a fungal issue in most likely two to four weeks, as long as the person is not being re-exposed. So that could be their house. If the house is moldy, right. that needs to be treated. Or if their bagpipes are moldy, you need a new set of bagpipes, right. whatever it is. Or your spouse. That's a huge one that I see. You need to treat spouses also. Um, but the diet portion of a fungal diet, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that itself is perfectly fine for anyone to go on. It's not going to hurt. It's only going to be beneficial. For If you want to take a supplement, I like to use a lot of herbal supplements, and they there's no negative side effects in the sense of it's going to cause something long-lasting. The worst that would happen is if you took a supplement that some of the herbs that I use and the person didn't need it. They might either within a day or two, they might get a slight headache or they might get an upset stomach. And if so, then they know, okay, that's either not the right supplement or they don't need it at that time. Mm. Um, if they feel fine during it, which getting an upset stomach or headache, I'm talking maybe 20% of the people at the most. For all the other people, it's either going to be very beneficial or worst case is it's not doing anything, but you're already healthy and it's only going to benefit. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. So before we get into treatment, because I know everyone wants to talk about the treatment of this, I just kind of want to clarify what is actually happening with fungal overgrowth in the body and why is it so damaging? So if you have a fungus in the body, what it can do, it'll produce toxic chemicals. So what, two of the chemicals that funguses often produce are benzene and aldehyde. If you ever go to a laboratory and see benzene, it has a skull and crossbones on it. So basically it's having like a little DuPont chemical plant inside your body producing toxins that are going to destroy you. Um, to break down benzene and aldehyde, your liver is going to work overload. So that makes your liver really stressed so you can't handle a lot of other things. That's also going to use up a lot of your nutrients. One thing that helps break down benzene is molybdenum. And then if you don't have enough molybdenum, that can lead to sleep or anxiety issues or even depression. Um, breaking down aldehyde uses up selenium. That will make you a lot more chemically sensitive. So for one, it's going to make you use up a lot of minerals and um, that are used by your body. Also, it by the chemicals and other byproducts that a fungus will produce, it can cause anything from headaches, migraines, weight gain, brain fog, fatigue. Those are some of the more common things that we see all the time. Um, and they need to be treated to get them out so they're not causing those issues. And I mean, it's funny with a lot of patients when they come in, 
they'll know, hey, I put on 20 pounds. I know I picked up a fungus. And a lot of people, they can drop 10 to 20 pounds in two to three weeks just treating the fungus alone. Mm -hmm. It's pretty remarkable. Um, That's one reason you mentioned thyroid hormone and thyroid issues earlier. Um, Fungus, it seems like with people that actually, if you have one, it'll interfere with your thyroid hormone from working correctly. And if your thyroid hormone isn't working correctly, you're going to be more tired and you're also going to um, have a lot lower metabolism. So you're not going to be burning as many calories. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. And you can see the connection then with fungal overgrowth with, you know, depression, anxiety, which is so common, Mm -hmm. and then also the weight gain. Because so often I have clients come in and, you know, they'll be doing everything right and eating really, really clean and and exercising and, and not even really restricting, you know, to the point where you're like, okay, you're just starving your body, but really doing things right. And they have this inability to lose weight. So as long as fungal overgrowth is happening in the body, it's pretty much impossible to actually drop weight. Is that what you would say? A hundred percent. I had that happen to myself when I was first in chiropractic school. I got a little lazy. I wasn't working out. I wasn't eating correctly for about six months. And I put on about 15 pounds. I was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I figured after six months, I'm like, okay, this is enough. I started running every single day. I was lifting weights and I was eating a pretty strict paleo diet, almost no carbs, um, really high quality stuff. And I think about after a month, I dropped one pound. Mm. And that's the frustrating. Like when you have people come in and they're eating junk, you take them off and they lose weight. That's easy. But then you have the people that are eating well and they're not changing. So then what I did is I went and got checked by someone who um, had been trained and they found out I had a fungal and I took a couple products and within the first two weeks, I dropped 10 pounds. My diet didn't change. My exercise didn't change at all. I was just taking the supplements to help kill the fungus and then my body could return to its normal levels. Right. But that can only happen if we're not being re-exposed, right? Because as long as we're being re-exposed, then it's going to be difficult for your body to ever want to kind of let go of that. Exactly. I mean, in every single house, you're always going to have minute amounts of mold in the air, but typically that's fine. When you have it in a lot of houses, when it gets to higher levels, then it can really cause issues. I've had, um, in Arizona, when I was practicing there, I had one patient that moved into a house her first year there with no other changes, she put on 40 pounds and I just couldn't get her better while she was in the house. And I had to tell her that I had another patient was similar. She moved into a new apartment and they put on, I think she put on, she was always a really fit, ate paleo, exercised really well. And she put on 20 pounds and she just couldn't get it off. And I had her do some things to the house along with treating the fungus or trying to treat the mold in the house and the fungus inside her. She dropped 10 pounds in the first two weeks and her energy was the best it had been since she had Mm. her daughter two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I mean, you kind of know my backstory a little bit, and I've talked about it my email list, but we have a newer house, and we live in a sand pit. So uh, for so often, my kids and I were testing positive for mold, and we looked everywhere in our house, and we couldn't find anything. We couldn't find anything. But later, we found out that it was like the industrial toxins of having things exposed that probably shouldn't be exposed, like spray foams and things that are emitting toxins. Does that have the same effect as mold in the system, and is it treated the same, or are those two different things? Like, does that cause excessive yeast buildup just by those chemical compounds or not? The chemical compounds themselves won't. But what they can do is different chemicals, they can stress your immune system. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about before, well, maybe your immune system typically could fight off the little bit of levels. But then when you're also exposed to the chemicals, your body's fighting the chemicals, it's fighting the mold, and it can't do both at the same time. So then they both start to grow. Oh, okay. That makes total sense. There's a um, it's it's a term used by a lot of different um, medical doctors called um, total load theory, and basically it's you're always going to have stress in your life. You're always going to have a little bit of emotional stress, a little bit of physical stress, a little bit of environmental stress. If you live in a city or live near fields or different things like that, you're going to have microbial stress. So you're going to have all these different stressors. Some we can't necessarily control, like if you're living in a city, we can't necessarily control that unless you move. But there's others like the microbes in your body or the chemicals in your body. If we can decrease those as much as possible, then your total load is a lot lower. So then you can still handle the stressors in your body that you can't control. Mm, Right, right. That makes total sense. Okay. So getting back to the candida and the treatment and the diet. 
there's a lot of, I don't want to say controversy. There's a lot of thought on how to treat like a candida, you know, candida diets that are popping all over the market and just how to treat fungal overgrowth. I had to go through this with my daughter when she was born. She was born via C-section and picked up some kind of fungus on my skin, probably through birth and not getting all the good bacteria to flood her system. So she was kind of born with this uh, overgrowth of yeast in her system, which led to vomiting, like continuous vomiting, 10, 7 to 10 times a day. It was it was really a horrible thing. Um, and since we started kind of this treatment, obviously she's gotten a lot better. But one of the things when we started was to put her on a candida diet, which almost always is no sugar, which is great. But, you know, most people even eliminate fruits and, and carbohydrates in general, which to me was like a little frightening when I have a really young child who also needs to grow. I guess what I'm trying to say is I could never really find the candida diet that I felt was realistic enough to treat the yeast overgrowth, but yet at the same time still allow the human body to do what it needed to do. So what is your diet perspective? Okay, great. So um, like you mentioned, there's so many different diets out there. The diet that I use for candida and fungal issues is actually less strict than most people's out there. And I'll tell you why then. But the diet that I put people on is no sugar. And I'll tell people that's no good sugars in quotation marks like honey or maple syrup, and then also no bad sugars like sugar, corn syrup, high fructose, corn syrup, aspartame, sucralose, all of those, barley malt. Um, I tell them if they do want a little bit of sweetener, we found stevia or lohan or monk fruit. Those seem to be okay. Um, we also take them off all fruit juice. You can do fresh fruit, but we found with the fruit juice, because you remove the fiber, it has a much higher glycemic index, and it will really spike the fungal growth a lot more. We also take people off dried fruit, but we do let them eat as much fresh fruit as they want. We never give any restrictions on fresh fruit. Other foods that we avoid are basically fungal derivatives, and that could be or um, fungal derivatives or fungally fermented products. So that will be things like yeast. Also, we take people off cheese because a lot of cheeses are mold inoculated. Mm -hmm. We take them off of miso. We take them off of um, soy sauce. And that's pretty much – and also alcohol. That's the one other one that we take it off um, since – Alcohol is basically made by different funguses. So we take people off of all of those. And then we basically, we also check though other foods that a person is sensitive to. So that's my basic fungal diet. But if a person has a lot of food sensitivities, then like let's say eggs for some people, eggs can be a big issue. And whenever you're eating eggs, that's going to cause inflammation and your body has to deal with bringing that down. So then your body can't deal with treating the fungus correctly. So it's not just a fungal diet always. It's almost a fungal diet along with taking people off their food sensitivities. And between both of those, it works great. But then we don't have to restrict carbohydrates. People can eat as many right. beans, rice, quinoa, those as much as they want. And then in addition, as much fruit as they want. So I don't necessarily put on someone a certain diet type, just take them off certain foods. Yeah. Which to me is more realistic, especially like in the case of a child, but even in the case of adult, because when we start taking out a lot of those foods, some of them are satiety giving and it can be difficult. But one other food I wanted to ask you about, and I know that you mentioned it in the lecture, but kombucha, that would be also a fungal food, correct? Because it's growing from... It's, yes, it's kind of a mystery um, microbe that they use to make it. But I have seen in some people, kombucha is known as a big health food. Um, in some people, it definitely can feed fungal overgrowth. So I always take people off that also. Right. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. So... What do you believe is missing from common treatment for fungal overgrowth? I see people on candida diets for months and months and months and still fight the issues that they experience, whether bloating and gassiness. So what do you believe is missing? Like, can we treat fungal overgrowth with diet alone? No, I don't believe the diet alone will do it. You may have your one out of a thousand people where it does work, but typically diet alone will not get rid of any type of hardcore ant uh, microbe that includes fungus, bacteria, any of those. So when you have people trying to treat a fungus and it's not getting better, you have a few different things you need to look for. One is making sure that they're avoiding other food sensitivities, which I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Another thing that can be very important, like we've talked about, is looking for the source 
you want to check if your house is moldy. If your house is moldy, which you may or may not be able to see, one thing that you can do is try ozonating your house. An ozonator produces O3 gas, which is toxic for mold. It's also toxic for you, so you don't want to be in there while doing it. Um, but ozonators can work very well in certain cases. If it's deep behind the drywalls, it may not be strong enough to get there. In other people, I've had them use essential oil diffusers. Those can work very well to bring down the mold count. Um, usually I have, and they're not that strong. So usually you just use them in one room, but like in someone's bedroom, I might have them put an oil diffuser with some cedar wood and teacher oil. And both of those will help bring down the mold count and breathe them in for yourself is very therapeutic. Um, also, like I mentioned, checking sexual partners, if your spouse or partner has a fungal issue and you do also, you're never going to get better if you don't treat the spouse also. If they're completely asymptomatic, they may not to follow they may not have to follow the same diet that you need to, but they would need to take the same supplements to really knock it down. So definitely eliminating the source is key. Two other things that I also often see is if you're only treating a fungus or candida and you're not treating other microbes in the body, you're not going to get good results. You need to treat all the microbes at once. Mm. So, and that's one thing when it comes down to supplements. Certain supplements might be great candida, basically be great to treat candida or fungus, but they don't work against other microbes. So you might be killing a candida, but then you have all these other microbes that are growing in the open real estate that they have. So you need to use different products that will treat all different types of microbes at once. That's why I like to use broad spectrum antimicrobials. And one other thing that I found is with a lot of supplements out there that people are taking, let's say for fungal issues, a lot of them might have 5, 10, 15 different ingredients in them. And that causes a lot of issues. For one, in most people – they do better on less things. I've found that single ingredient products do a lot better than the mixed ones. And the reason being is let's say you have 10 different antifungals in a product. The person probably needs one or two of them and probably five of them are going to be irrelevant for the person. And then you have your other two to three are probably going to actually be bad for the person to make them feel a little bad because their body is going to react to it. That's very common. And so typically in some people this will work or it'll take months and months and months and months. But the two ingredients that they're taking that are actually beneficial either aren't going to be better than the bad ones or you're just not getting enough in your body. So that's why I like single ingredient products because then you're definitely taking something that is strong enough to kill it because you're getting enough of the good product in there. And then also three of the most common products that I use for treating a fungal issue is either Mirinda Supreme, Golden Thread Supreme, or Malia Supreme or in pregnant women, Scutellaria Supreme. All of those are single ingredient products and they're very strong antimicrobials, especially for fungal issues. But while also treating the fungus, let's say you didn't know you also have a bacterial infection. In more cases than not, the supplement will also take care of that. Usually I'll have people take two of those at a time and that will then help just basically to cover all your bases to make sure that you're not missing something. And then typically if we're getting rid of all of those extra factors, so we're getting rid of where is it coming from and we're giving the right supplements and we're staying off the correct foods, then you can usually get rid of a lot of fungal issues in two to four weeks. That's not uncommon. It's rare for me to take more than six weeks, if not even four weeks to get rid of a fungus in a person. Mm, yeah. I think that's a lot of great hope for people because I feel like so many people think it's just this kind of a lifelong thing that you're going to be battling. And um, even do, dealing with it with my daughter, you know, it's been a three-year experience. And um, you were really one of the first people to tell me like, this can be taken care of. You know, we don't need to just keep putting the band-aid approach on knowing that um, her environment is pretty free and clear. And I feel like we've kind of hit that mark of really realizing like, yeah, we can get rid of the problem in less time and with less things, which is so against the grain, but it's so what we need to hear. So uh, there's like a common belief though that uh, probiotics are the answer to yeast overgrowth. So what is your take on probiotics and 
is this accurate or is it not? I haven't ever seen a case where a probiotic alone has taken um, gotten rid of a fungus. In some people, I'm sure it has happened in the extremely healthy person that just happened to get one, so it can happen. But there are some issues with probiotics. I do use them, but in my practice, I probably use maybe one per year with my patients. Um, one thing is in a lot of different probiotics, if you look at the different strains – a lot of them contain Saccharomyces, which is actually a fungus. So a lot of probiotics actually contain a fungus. And then also, if you do some research online, a lot of the different probiotic strains they found actually produce histamine, which causes inflammation. So you have to be very careful on which strains you're getting in. Some of the beneficial ones like Lactobacillus acidophilus, I see that can be beneficial for people, but I've never seen it enough to get rid of a fungus. If anything, it'll help with the symptoms, but then it's usually one of those things when when they stop taking it, the symptoms come back. You do have a few people, and this is a very small number, that genetically have certain issues that they can't fight off a new fungus very well, so they're going to be continually be re-exposed. But I know tons of people that have just been on and off supplements for years, and it just keeps coming back, and that's because they weren't really getting rid of it in the first place. And like I said, so I do use probiotics on occasion. For probiotics, I personally like eating more fermented foods. So if something is fermented in a salt brine, I, that's perfectly fine to do on a fungal diet. So things like sauerkraut or pickles in a salt brine, those are great to do. And one thing that worries me a little bit, it hasn't been proven yet, but I have heard some different medical doctors talk about how they think that a reason that SIBO has become much more common nowadays yeah. is actually from overuse of probiotics. Oh, wow. Yeah. That has become like blown up lately. That's an yes, interesting definitely. connection. Yeah. So when you talk about fungal overgrowth, I'm a really big believer in this like hormonal connection with how we eat, how we live, and really that that runs our show. And so when we talk about fungal overgrowth and hormones, what does overgrowth do to our hormonal flow? And how can this come across as a hormonal imbalance or thyroid issues? You kind of mentioned it earlier so on. Yeah, so with thyroid specifically, a lot of the times it'll actually interfere with thyroid hormone from binding, so that can be an issue. With other um, hormone issues, a lot of the times it actually it'll work in both ways. So there's a lot of evidence out there how different hormones actually increase fungal growth, and estrogen is one of the big ones. So that's why in a lot of women they might have a lot of symptoms during one time of their cycle, or they might get a yeast infection mm. during one time of their cycle and it goes away. And that's because certain forms of estrogen can actually increase fungal growth. But then also if a fungus, like we talked about the toxic chemicals that are being produced, I mean, if you look at the list online or in any textbooks of the symptoms caused by a fungus, I mean, it, it'll fill pages and pages. So while I mentioned some of the major things, definitely in addition to thyroid hormone, it'll interfere with basically any process in the body. If you think about it, it can affect it. So really getting rid of the yeast can really just help our body, which our hormones are connecting or our communication network of our body, it can really just help everything kind of get back into a natural flow and a nat natural rhythm. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So I want to dive into food sensitivities for a moment and even allergies. Can you explain the difference to us? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions of food sensitivity versus food allergy. And we know that we have to take these out in the treatment of yeast, which so many people are missing is just removing these allergies or sensitivities in their diet. So explain the difference and kind of what we need to know about each one. Okay. So, I mean, food sensitivities and allergies, it's a very fine line between them, really. They're very similar. Um, allergies, what I more think about is, you know, let's say you're exposed to a peanut and your throat closes up or you start swelling in your face, you have an anaphylactic reaction. Those are more when I think of a food allergy. And usually you can find those with different blood tests and you can discover them. Um, with food sensitivities, a lot of the times what I see them caused by, it's more minor issues. So it might not be your throat's closing up, you can't breathe, anaphylactic reaction, but it might be more brain fog. It's going to be joint pain. It's going to be moodiness. Um, a lot of those things can cause food sensitivities. And a lot of food sensitivities are actually secondary to the microbes. A lot of people talk about leaky gut nowadays and 
leaky gut basically just means you have microbes that are punching holes in your gut and that's making you react to foods. When you react to foods, it increases histamine levels and that's going to use up certain vitamins that your body needs to perform its normal functions. So with a lot of food sensitivities will actually go away if you treat the microbes. Mm. With people that are really gluten sensitive or dairy sensitive, it's kind of a case-by-case basis. Um, Maybe in about – I'd say 30% of the people, you can get them back to eating those foods 100% with no issues for the rest of their life. Um, For probably about, I don't know, probably about 50%, you can get them so the foods are never going to be good for them, but when they handle them, they're not going to have a bad reaction. I have a lot of people where they might eat a food and they're going to have a symptom for up to a week after that. My goal is if you eat a food that you're not supposed to, You might have a little bit of a headache or feel a little crummy for a few hours, but definitely by the next day, you're going to be feeling fine. And then there are some people that just can't handle foods, um, and that's when you're kind of more put in the allergy category of just they're never going to handle them very well. Right. But like you said, if it's a sensitivity, then just kind of getting rid of the underlying issue with our immune system and why our body's reacting can really help a person to be able to at least handle them. So on occasion, it's not it's not going to be the end of the world or have a great effect on their overall health. Is that correct? Definitely. And also while you have the microbes, a lot of the times with some people, their food sensitivities might change very often. It might be, okay, this day it was this, well, this day it was this. And it makes it very hard to pinpoint what exactly is causing their issue. And then if you actually treat, get rid of the microbes and then also detox the body, then you might be able to figure out, okay, well, before it was always switching back and forth. Now I know it's just eggs or it's just gluten that gives me the issues, the other things I can handle fine. Okay. That makes sense. So when we talk about food sensitivities though, are these just the byproduct of illness or are they the cause of illness? Um, food sensitivities, you know, that's a very good question. (laughs) Um, in a, it's a little bit of both. I will say um, a lot of food sensitivities are secondary to microbial or fungal infections. Okay. But I have more and more nowadays, I think it's partly because we're living in a toxic environment. Um, our, our food sources isn't as good as it used to be. If people maybe are growing their own food in organic soil, then they're going to do a lot better. But our food supply isn't as good as it used to be. And also, we're exposed to so many more chemicals and toxins that we used to be. So it does make people more sensitive than we were. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. So in that case, though, we should still be able to overcome the food sensitivity? We can decrease them a lot, okay. let's just say. When anyone calls in for food sensitivities, I will tell them usually we can do our best to decrease them greatly. We may, or, Like I said, we may or may not be able to ever completely get rid of them. In a lot of people, you can. In your general population, you can get rid of their food sensitivities, but in a lot of your tough cases, you'll be able to decrease them. So like I said, if they eat some, it'll just be a very minor setback, and then they're going to bounce right back to where they were by the next day instead of some prolonged symptom that keeps going. So there are so many things a person could be doing, but in treating fungal overgrowth, what is the one thing that you think we could all do, no matter if we know we have fungal overgrowth or not? Like one thing that we could all really be doing for our health. Okay. Well, I'll say I want to add two things if I can. That's fine. You can add um, as many as you want. <laughs> perfect. So if your house is moldy, if you suspect it, if you've ever had water damage, you need to treat the house first. Otherwise, you're never going to get better. Right. That's yeah. just first and foremost. And that can be, like I said, a diffuser or an ozonator. Um, but in addition to the treatment stuff we've talked about, one thing that people can do is putting antimicrobial things in their food. So if you look at a lot of different cultures in the world, look at um, Japanese food. With every you eat sushi, you eat two things, ginger and wasabi. Ginger and wasabi, assuming you're getting real ginger and real wasabi that don't have a lot of chemicals, they're very, very strong antimicrobials. If you look at Thailand, they put in lemongrass into their food. If you look at Polynesia, for people that are sick, they eat a lot of noni. If you look in um, Mexico, they eat a lot of chili peppers. Those have antimicrobial properties. So a lot of different 
herbs are naturally antimicrobial. And in Mm -hmm. the U.S., we don't necessarily eat as many of those as you do in other cultures. And that also applies to things like I mentioned uh, salt brine, sauerkraut, different things like that. So adding natural antimicrobials to your foods, while I don't see them necessarily strong enough – and it includes garlic and onions. I don't see those as strong enough to get rid of a fungal overgrowth, but it will help prevent you from getting one in the future. And it's just good for your overall health to add these into your daily life. I mean something easy that we could really be doing to to help with this. So I have a little bit of – Yeah, go ahead. One of my favorite things I like to have people do is a smoothie in the morning. I have them put in some unsweetened almond or coconut milk, maybe put in some blueberries for some antioxidants. And then I found I love having people put in fresh ginger and fresh turmeric roots. I found that the roots work a lot better than the powder. And just put in maybe half an inch of the root in each. The smoothie usually tastes great, and it's really strong antimicrobial that way. Yeah. And, I mean, how cost-effective because neither one of those really – has a huge price tag on them either for the effect exactly. that they're going to give you and something so easy and practical that we could do. I, I mean, I love your approach to treating fungal overgrowth because one, it's simple. Number two, it's effective, right? Like we're not talking about a year-long treatment program or, or what you're seeing. If we treat the sores, this really should clear up pretty quickly. But three, I mean, very practical. You know, what I love about your diet plan is that yes, you take out the sugar and the and the cause of that, but you don't eliminate so many of the carbs that our body kind of shuts down, or I don't want to say shuts down, but doesn't work as well. We don't have that satiety, and it's mm-hmm. not as challenging in our mind. So again, a very practical approach to help so many people who are struggling with this. And so thank you so much for all of your advice. But before we go, I have a little quick fire, and I like to do this with people to help get to know people more, but really just to get kind of more tips, tricks, and advice from you. So just... A few questions, six questions that I'm going to ask you, and you can just name off the top of your head, like whatever it is that comes to mind. So starting up, what are your top five favorite health foods? Uh, I have a lot of those, but I'll have right. to say um, pomegranate, pomegranates, kale, ginger, turmeric. Um, for a fifth one, I'm probably going to put grass-fed beef or lamb. Okay, good. And so the turmeric, again, is in the actual root. Are you just using that mostly yes. in a smoothie? Or are you doing anything else with it? Um, so I think it works actually better raw if it's not cooked. So I'll usually use it in a smoothie or I'll just grate it on top of my food. Or I've had a few people that put it, um, the roots, in a Vitamix along with a little bit of lemon juice, water, and stevia and make lemonade. Oh, that's cool. It doesn't have a ton of flavor, right, when it's in the root form, from my experience? It doesn't have a ton. The ginger you have to be careful for. If you use too much, it'll have a really strong kick. But the turmeric, not as much. Exactly. (laughs) Just that color. Um, And you just have to look, yeah, definitely strong color. A lot of, I know Whole Foods usually carries it. Some health food stores, some regular stores. A lot of Asian markets do also. Mm -hmm. So you just have to look for it in stores, but you can find it. Right. It's not usually a very big section, just a few there. Yes. Um, so what's the, your favorite or what's the first thing you do every morning for your health? Um, I try to go for a walk outside, get some fresh air and get my body moving. And some sunlight in there. Perfect. What is your yes. favorite health book? Um, I have t- one is Body Restoration, which was written by my dad and a medical doctor, Dr. Ami Kapati, and my dad is Dr. Michael Leibowitz. And it kind of goes organ system by organ system through the body, talking about issues that you can have and how you can try to treat them. Um, and then uh, there's a website that I always go on also. It's called SockDoc. S-O-C-K-D-O-C.com. And it's by a friend of mine. He tr- he basically just talks about natural living. That can be how you should exercise correctly, um, just a lot of different things. And he has a lot of good articles on there. So between the book and that website, that those are two of my favorite resources. Nice. Well, we'll ha- I'll add those to the show notes so everyone can check those out. So what is one common thing that you think everyone could be doing for better health? Um, I'm going to make that two if possible. Yes, you can add as many as you want. I'm going to say cut out sugar and caffeine from your diet. Oh, yeah. Can you fill us in on why caffeine? I think this is fascinating. So 
Everyone doesn't want to hear this, you know. (laughs) I know. Everyone hates me as soon as I say this. And when I say caffeine, chocolate's actually included in that. But caffeine is an adrenal stimulant. If you have a perfectly healthy liver, it takes eight hours to cut the caffeine that you intake in half. If you have a fungus and your liver's overloaded, it can double or triple that easily. So caffeine, it basically just stresses your adrenal glands, which are needed for energy, but also for decreased inflammation, for stress handling, for a lot of things. Caffeine issues with people, I see very, very common, a lot of musculoskeletal conditions. So a lot of tight and sore muscles caused by that. I also see a lot of arthritic conditions caused by that and a lot of gastrointestinal. So if you have a lot of people with upset stomachs, GI issues, diarrhea, caffeine is a huge one in that. Mm. So can you, do you think that people can go off of it cold turkey or how do you get people to really kind of back away from it? I always ask them to go off cold turkey, but they don't always. Um, What I'll say, you know, it depends on the person. If a person is drinking five or six cups of coffee a day, it's not usually realistic. I'm going to say, okay, so you don't get bad headaches. I want you to cut it in half for two days, then cut in half for two days and keep weaning yourself down. Mm. If Ideally, I like them to do no coffee whatsoever. If people are so addicted and they won't, then I will say they can do decaffeinated. But usually I want them to try to get like a Swiss water decaffeinated coffee because then it doesn't have the chemicals in it that a lot of the other decafs have. And so say that again, a Swiss coffee. Is that what you said? Um, Swiss water. Swiss There's water. two natural ways that you can decaffeinate coffee. Mm-hmm. One is the Swiss water method and one is the CO2 method. Um, both of those are chemical free and you can buy them online or in health food stores. The regular way that they decaffeinate coffee often involves a lot of chemicals. So I usually tell people to avoid that. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I'd probably say always look for the source and the root cause of anything, Mm. because if you're just keep having to treat the same thing and the person, even if they're feeling better, you're only applying a bandaid. So you want to treat the root cause. And if you're not getting a person better, then you look for the source. So that could be house, that could be work, that could be whatever it is. Right. So really just kind of digging and not being persistent with your health, I think is critical. Yes. Uh, what, what is the best piece of advice you could leave us with? Um, I will say two things of one with, if you have fungal or candida issues and you've tried a lot of things, like you mentioned, don't give up. It isn't hard. I've had so many people that have had it for years and were able to get rid of it. Even people that have been to tons of natural or regular medical doctors and haven't, it doesn't have to be hard to, if you do it correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is definitely one of the biggest things. And I like to say, so health issues don't have to be there. Everything has a cause. So, you know, if, if you wake up with a headache or you feel tired during this, or you're doing this, don't just assume it's natural or it's part of aging. There's a cause to it. Um, one of my favorite sayings that I actually got off of the website SockDoc was if you have a sore neck in the morning, don't think it was your pillow. Think it was a food that you ate the night before. Pretty much everything that happens in your body isn't random. It happens from something that we are exposed to, a food, a microbe, a chemical. And if you figure out what it is and eliminate it, then you're going to have tremendous improvement in your health. Yeah, good. I like that. Nice. Okay. So I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show and kind of clearing the air about candida and fungal overgrowth and just like making it real and simple. And that's really what I love about the work that you do is just keeping it simple and straightforward and just cutting through kind of the junk and just getting back to the basics. So can you tell us more about where we can find um, the supplements that you mentioned and also where we can learn more about you and follow you? Yes. So my website is www.drnoahlebowitz.com. DrNoahLebowitz.com. You can find all of my information. I also have some blogs on there and you can read a lot more about the conditions that I work with. Um, The supplements that I mentioned earlier, Mirinda, Malia and Golden Thread Supreme and also Scutellaria. You can find those at supremenutritionproducts.com. Um, they actually have a new website, shop.supremenutritionproducts.com, and it gives you a little about the information. Awesome. Well, keep up the good work, and I hope to have you back on about maybe some other topics that we could touch base on and really help get to the bottom and dig up the root of that because I think that's what we're missing is really finding that root cause and 
and what it is, and then from there being able to treat people. So thanks for being on. Thank you very much for having me, Alexa. One of my favorite parts about this interview is his quick approach to healing. That candida shouldn't be a year-long process or even three years as we have personally experienced with our daughter. That fungal overgrowth can be taken care of in a matter of weeks if the source has been taken care of. So simple and so needed in a world of constant treatment. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show, the practical information you can take and use in your own life. If you feel like you could be suffering from yeast and want to learn more about the products he mentioned in today's show, head on over to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 037 to get all the details and where and how to purchase them. I know personally we have begun using some of the herbal remedies he mentioned in the show, and it has made a dramatic difference in our own life, in mine, my husband's, and my daughter's. One product which I'll be talking about in a later episode and blog post is called Takasumi. It's very similar in nature to the activated charcoal that so many people use to help cleanse their body and cleanse their GI system. However, it is much more powerful, but not as well known. It literally has changed my GI structure. Things just move more easily. And what I've noticed is my cravings and hunger have significantly declined in a good way. I feel more even energy without bloating and really just feel back into a normal flow. I'll be adding that to the product list, but it really has been a great tool for my own health journey and one I'd highly recommend if you're on your own journey with candida or just want to prevent it. And finally, as I mentioned in the beginning, I wanted to extend a very special offer to help you beat sugar once and for all through traveling through my craving cure course. This program is designed to help you overcome sugar cravings without withdrawal and starvation to help you get your health back in a realistic manner. And I can promise this works and it works quickly. In fact, it's a very basic and simplistic approach, but one that actually works. And so why complexify the issue? And so why complexify the issue? It works so well just because it aligns your diet with how your body is designed. Basically working with your body instead of against it. You know me and I'm all against beating your body into submission. It just doesn't work that way. So as I mentioned, I put it together in a special PDF instead of having to log into the actual course, I've just taken all the information, condensed it into a PDF document, like a little ebook that you can take and use so that you can help yourself overcome sugar cravings in a matter of a week. Don't worry, it still contains the three-week meal plans, recipes, as well as all the information and cheat sheets in the course, but without the videos and the work of actually logging into the course and having to be on your computer. Again, I put it all in one simple PDF that you can take and print and, not to mention, it's at a lower cost so that you can get your hands on what I would consider over a $100 value for less than the price of a couple of mochas. If you'd like to get your hands on that special offer at a lower cost, head on over to the show notes and click on the Craving Cure in the Resources section of episode 37. I will be doing this alongside of you in preparation for the next crazy and busy season of life. It's just so good to stay up to date every now and then and keep your body in check. So to stay up to date on my own journey with additional tips and tricks as we do this course together, sign up for my free daily email to help make this a community thing. To do that, just head on over to simplerootswellness.com and leave your name and email. Again, grab your copy of The Craving Cure and the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 037. Thanks so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Simple Roots Radio. There are some good ones coming up, so you want to stay tuned, including how to actually have a healthy holiday. Yes, this is the realistic version. The announcement of that massive project I've been working on. Another episode of Breakfast with Alexa and how to rev up your metabolism with metabolic expert, Dr. Jay Tita. Stay tuned, you guys. This is a good season ahead. I'll see you next week.